Blog Talk Radio. of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America with no technical issues this week, Mike Bozich. How do you know? The show's just starting. <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, we've got an action-packed show lined up for you tonight, but we're also going to give away a prize uh, as we go towards the end of the show. Stay tuned for more on that. But Mike, uh, Moira Fanning is going to join us here in just a few minutes to talk about the uh, 2016 Hamiltonian. Yeah, very generous with her time. We know that uh, her head is certainly spinning this week as the big day com- is uh, getting closer, and she's in charge of certainly a lot. As a matter of fact, she's got a meeting to go to right after uh, she hooks up with us, so she's going to be joining us right in just a few minutes. Uh, she's going to tell everybody about the big going-ons coming up on Saturday, and the good news, Mike, is that the weather is supposed to be nice. I guess there's a small chance for a pop-up thunderstorm, but certainly nothing that's going to wash anything away. Well, Mike, uh, just don't bring the rain cloud with you, please, because, you know, we, we, we both know how the rain clouds tend to follow us. We're also going to talk to uh, Western New York driver Drew Monty. And, Mike, I'm excited for this interview because uh, Drew, I actually got to call his 100th career victory uh, back in my first season at Buffalo Raceway. He's a very successful uh, driver out there, but he's also a college graduate, Mike. He is one of the very good young rising stars of this industry, and not really a whole lot of people know who he is. We're going to have the opportunity to sit down, and we're going to get to know Drew Monty coming up at about 7.15 or so. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Mike got a chance to sit down with Scott Zeron to talk about Marion Marauder's chances in the Hamiltonian, Mike. It's Marion Marauder versus Southwind Frank in what is going to be a uh, possible probe Park Avenue Joe type of situation. 
Yeah, they're hooking up right in the first tee, or the second tee, rather, or actually the first tee, so it's going to be tremendous, and they line up right next to each other. Had a good interview with driver Scott Ceron about Marion Marauder, as well as his other drives. He's stacked full of drives in a stakes-laden program, an all-star program coming up Saturday uh, at the Meadowlands, Mike, plus... Uh, our good friend Darren Gagne from Running Aces Arnas Park, uh, Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, excuse me, had a chance to sit down and talk to Luke Plano. Luke, uh, fantastic driver, flies his craft at Cal Expo and Running Aces in the summertime. He was able to accomplish a milestone of his own, 3,000 driving wins over the last couple of days. And track announcer Darren Gagne had a chance to sit down and talk with Luke Plano. So we've got all that plus we're going to take a look at the full Hamiltonian card. It's a busy show. Obviously, it's going to be leaning a lot on Hamiltonian content, but we're going to break away from that a little bit with our conversations with uh, Luke Plano and uh, Drew Monty. But, Mike, it is going to be a beautiful day. Listen, every time that a big day like this comes out of the sport of harness racing, we always worry about the weather because, uh, you know, listen, harness racing, horse racing in general – uh, has had some bad luck at times, especially when a big event uh, is scheduled to come. So we've been watching the weather, and the weather looks really good, promising. Like I said, there's a chance of a spotty shower or thunderstorm, but certainly nothing that's going to last, nothing that's going to stick around and dampen the day. And hats off to the guys at the Meadowlands, Mike. I turned on my Facebook a couple of days ago, and there's our good friend Jason Settlemore. He's up there. He's got his picture, his mug all over Times Square, and Justin Horowitz, and they're ringing the final bell of the NASDAQ. And it, what a great deal a great promotion uh, for the sport big signs all over the place mike i hope they jam the house hambletonian day i hope there's so many people there you can't even move it'd be beautiful it, it would be a great thing to see and uh, i'm going to be watching from the comfort of my own home on saturday uh saturday morning uh i'll be tweeting out uh some information maybe we'll tweet out some pics who knows mike it, it's a uh it's a day of a lot of fun. I know Mike Bozich is going to be at the Hamiltonian in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I w- really, really wish I could get out there with you. Yeah, it's going to be a festive occasion. I was there last year. It was my first Hamiltonian. Just had a, a fantastic time. Uh, it was great racing. Uh, big drama with who Yannick Shingrao was going to choose. Was he going to choose the mayor? Was he going to choose the, the boy? And, of course, Pinkman, or the, the horse, rather, and Pinkman was able to get the job done. Pinkman's in action, by the way, uh, on Saturday at the Meadowlands. So we're going to talk about all those fantastic races. But uh, let's get the ball rolling here. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, we'll chat with... Uh, uh, the the uh, the big wig of the Hamiltonian Society, if you will, uh, Moira Fanning. You've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by our good friends at Bet America. Get a huge boost to your bankroll for all of summer's best racing at Bet America. All new players can double their first deposit up to three hundred dollars with Bet America's one hundred percent deposit bonus. That's the biggest sign up bonus in the industry. Sign up today and start playing the Bet America way. Hello, this is Kayla Strah, and I'm here to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It is the fastest-growing legal, safe, and secure website to place all your bets on horse racing. BetAmerica covers over 200 racetracks from North America, the UK, and my home country, Australia. New players to BetAmerica receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the BetAmerica way. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. 
New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breds the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America's Just Getting Started. Mike Bozich, Mike Carter, and we're joined now by Moira Fanning of the Hamiltonian Society. And Moira, first of all, we are very appreciative of you taking time out of your ultra super busy week to join us. I know this has got to be one of the busiest weeks uh, in the Hamiltonian Society, of course, right? It is, but it's good to be busy for this kind of reason. Absolutely. Well, what's going on? I know there's a lot of going on at the Meadowlands coming up, and I know the Hamiltonian Society's got a lot of going ons coming up on Saturday. Tell us as a fan, when we walk through the door at the Meadowlands on that beautiful Saturday morning, what we can expect. Well, this year is all about horsepower, and every year I say, you know, this has to be the best card assembled of all time, and every year... You know, something new happens. Last year we had Wiglet Jiglet and the Cane Pace, and we had, you know, Great Oaks and Great Hamiltonian. This year we have just an amazing slate of races, but also very competitive races for wagering. And, uh, you know, if you got an emotional favorite, if you can't find a horse to back uh, on Saturday, uh, I pity you. <laughs> well, Moira, I gotta say it is probably one of the best cards that I have ever seen personally. But the the one matchup that I have to say that I cannot wait for it. I think everybody can sort of be in agreement with me here is going to be as I'm scrolling through my program trying to find it. It's Wiggle It Jiggle It versus Freaky Feed Pete uh, versus uh, did I don't I'm looking for my program page. You guys are gonna have to bear with me. Always be picky. Yeah, in the yeah. U.S. Pacing Championship. What what is it like to get those three to hook up again? You know, you don't get to see very many of the uh, very many of the champions kind of meet up in one place. And this is, I believe, the third or fourth time that they've hooked up. What is it like to get these guys uh, all together in one room again? Well, you know, the one thing I've learned, you cannot orchestrate these kinds of races. You cannot, you know, they happen organically. You can write all the conditions and all the stakes and all the rules you want, but, you know, it, it's just impossible to make something this great happen, you know, it, unnaturally. And it's been an enormous boon uh, to racing to have these Illinois breads come flying out of Indiana. Excuse me, I call them Illinois breads. Indiana breads <laughs> come flying out of Indiana take the national stage, stage, acquit themselves very well, and, uh, you know, they've met a few times and they've stayed apart a few times, and that's what makes a great contest. Visiting live with Moira Fanning. Now, Moira, let's take a little bit of a closer look at the two eliminations uh, for the Hamiltonians. They're race eight and race nine uh, in the program. And, of course, everybody is looking forward to the ninth race where you're going to have uh, the first of probably two meetings of uh, Marion Marauder 
versus Southwind Frank. Southwind Frank, uh, 16 of 18. Uh, he's been pointing for this moment ever since he was uh, probably in the middle of his two-year-old campaign. Marion Marion Marauder is the horse that has kind of found his stride as of late over the last uh, three starts. Has just been super, super good. So it's like you know the 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 rock hard meeting the immovable object. You've got these two great horses. But what also makes this great, in my opinion. Uh, Moira is you have a lot of the smaller stories like you have horses like Iron Mind Bucky uh, for the Iron Mind branch and driver George Dennis and obviously he don't get a whole lot of uh, uh, Hamiltonian opportunities Uh, what are you looking forward to most out of the 2016 edition of the Hamiltonian well you're exactly right and you know it used to be in recent history that these horses all raced each other at the Meadowlands, and, um, you know, we kind of knew what was going to happen. As opposed to the old days, the Grand Circuit days, when horses kind of came from everywhere and they met at the Meadowlands. That happened with Glidemaster when he won. I don't think he'd raced at the Meadowlands before that. So, truthfully, we don't know. These horses haven't all matched up against each other on a, a level playing field the way that they're going to on Saturday. And I don't know if you watched the great video the USTA put together, but it opens with Southland Frank, and the caretaker says, you know, I I can't even think about winning the Hamiltonian. I'm going to cry just thinking about being in it. And that's that's exactly what we're going for. (laughs) We want, you know, we want people to, when they buy a trotting yearling, we want them to think about winning the Hamiltonian. And then when they do enter the race, we want to make the greatest experience for them that we can. Now, Moira, I've seen a ton of great stories uh, come uh, through the USTA site. Um, where I used to work at Buffalo Raceway, Bill Richardson, he's got a horse in the Hamiltonian. But one story that kind of sticks out to me is driver Bjorn Goop is over from overseas. Now, how did that come about? Was it somebody that was one of the, one of the trainers kind of asked him to come over, or was this kind of a uh, planned thing for him to just come on over and uh, test his luck in the Hamiltonian? Well, I think the owner of uh... – Dominion Beach and and I believe the horse in Houghton or the Philly and the Mariana Bell come and uh, you know he is a European stu- superstar and most exciting he's going to bring the gold helmet which is a, a helmet that's given out to very few drivers you really got to you know have a lot of achievement and, and win a lot of races to get this coveted gold helmet so he's going to wear it uh, in the Hamiltonian so that'll be a handicapping angle first time gold helmet <laughs> but uh, you know there's a lot of Scandinavian interest in the races and especially with uh, the horses going over there from last year Pinkman and Nunzio and doing so well and they've, they've really kind of loosened uh, the floodgates if you will There was always a lot of back and forth, but now it's not so unheard of to import a driver, import a horse. we got to get the calendars to match up a little bit because there's a couple of big three-year-old races also in Sweden at this time. But we're very excited about Bjorn Goop, and and I really think, as you say, Iron Mind Bucky, um, Paula Wellwood, that would just be so emotional. And, And yet if Southwind Frank goes out there like the absolute star that we all know he is i wouldn't be surprised either and and the oaks is a pretty darn good race as well oh certainly the hamiltonian oaks is a tremendous race. had had uh 
uh, you know, a lot of upsets uh, in the Hamiltonian Oaks last week. Moira, before we let you go, I know we got to let you get, get to your meeting, but before we let you go, and I know we asked you this last time we had you on the show about three, four months ago, and I know we went through this, but maybe for a lot of the listeners that have just joined us uh, or have just started listening to the program that may not know, what is the role uh, of the Hamiltonian Society in this, this whole big picture? Well, back in 1924, they decided they had to take uh, charge of promoting the trotting breed and, and encouraging people to breed and raise trotters. And so they started this Hamiltonian Stakes, which I believe the first one was for about $70,000, just unheard of in 1926. And uh, it, it was an instant classic, and they've kept it going. This is the 91st year. We got a. I talked about horsepower before. We got a great sponsor in Ed Mullinex, Mullinex Ford. We got Martin Truex Jr., Spring Cup champion, coming to present the trophy. His wife is presenting the Oaks. She's a great lady. We got the Fan Zone with a tremendous betting promotion for people. I mean, I don't think in 1926 they envisioned what it would become. Uh, but they've certainly done a good job of carrying it forward through the years, the Goshen years, the Ducoin years. Meadowlands has just been a fantastic partner, and it's been the longest-running host track. I think this is their 35th year, and I hope there's 35 more. That's right. And, Moira, we are going to have a tent available, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I, I know I'll be there, and I think uh, Heather and a couple other people will be there. So, please, anybody coming to the Meadowlands that uh, even may be a little bit new or may want to learn more about uh, some of the promotions and some of the things going on, stop by and see us, and uh, we'll be more than happy to help you out. Right, Moira? Absolutely. And that you can win. And this is a real, um, you know, a real good shot at that $100,000. You only have to pick the winners of three races. And you got Mike and Ray Catola there helping you fill out your form. What else do you need? That's right. Moira, listen, we certainly appreciate you. Listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Always uh, a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a big day Saturday. And listen, if you're a harness racing fan, you have to be there. It's a must go to event. Moira, we certainly appreciate it. Now get to your meeting. You're a, bu- you're a busy lady. All right. See you Saturday. All right. That was uh, Moira Fanning. And, uh, you know, like I said, Mike, I. And, you know, we, we've, uh, I know you're involved in management at, a race, at uh, Northfield Park. And, you know, when you get your busy days and your busy times and things like Derby and all the big races. And, you know, I was in management at Hazel Park for a long time. You just, a week or two out, it just gets hectic. And you have absolutely no time to do anything. And uh, we really appreciate Moira taking time out of her extremely busy schedule this week, just a couple of days out, to be with us here, Mike. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. You know, things get a little bit uh, crazy as we, uh, as the big races come up, uh, things are going to get crazy at Northfield uh, this week for or next week for us. And so uh, we, we definitely appreciate Moira. Well, Mike, coming up next is Western New York driving star Drew Monty. He's going to come on and talk to us a little bit about his driving career in Western New York. And he's also going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, I, I'm going to try to plug him a little bit about his uh, college life. We'll be right back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. 
at the stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. This is Mike Bozich with Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Our goal is to positively promote the sport of harness racing. Every horse has a story to tell, whether a claimer or a stakes horse, and we plan on telling those stories here on this program. If you would like to advertise on Post Time with Mike and Mike, send us an email at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com for more information. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at PT Mike and Mike One. Listen to a brand new broadcast every Thursday at 1 p.m. Any prior episodes can be listened on demand as well. Log on to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. Once again, that's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. And thanks so much for listening. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Still lots to go on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. We're going to sit down and talk to driver Scott Zeron. He's going to give us the 411 on Marion Marauder, plus all of his drives. He's going to preview all of his drives coming up on the big card on Saturday uh, at Hamiltonian Day. So we'll talk to Scott at the bottom of the hour, plus... Uh, our Running Aces segment continues. Uh, track announcer Darren Gagne had a chance to sit down and talk with driver Luke Plano, who recently achieved the 3,000th win milestone this past couple of days. So Darren Gagne will talk to uh, Luke about that. Plus, we've got a big giveaway. Don't go anywhere. A big giveaway coming up. It's a, uh, a VIP uh, package, so to speak to the Hamiltonian. You're not going to uh, want to go anywhere because we're going to give this away. This is courtesy of our good friends at Bet America. But the Mike, before we do that, we've got one of the true rising stars in the driving ranks joining us right now on this program. And we're going to get to know him a little bit better, aren't we, Mike? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Drew Monty, one of the Western New York uh, drivers, is with us. And Drew, talk to us a little bit about uh, what it was like to go to college and uh, drive horses and how you got into the sport of uh, harness racing. Uh, first of all, how's it going, fellas? Thank you for having me. Um, it was definitely an interesting road. Uh, you know, I grew up in the sport. My father's been doing it his whole life. He drove for around 25 years. Uh, my grandfather's been in it almost his whole life. Uh, he got into it very young, you know, but he had a lot of family that had uh, horses, farms, animals. So uh, I've been blessed, and I also have some family that's been educated. They've gone to college, so they were looking out for me in that regard. And I was just very lucky to be able to do both and be successful. Balancing college, obviously uh, wanting to get that higher education, Drew, and balancing harness racing. Talk about how it was balancing those two things. I mean, Buffalo raced, and usually this was, they race right around 5 o'clock, right? That's about the normal post time, they 5, 5.30, somewhere in there. You know, it was very busy, but I was lucky enough to, you know, most of my classes were earlier in the morning. You know, I'd get done 12, 1 o'clock, I'd be able to make it to the track on time. And, uh, you know, luckily for my family, you know, I have a small stable of my own. 
you know, my dad, my grandfather, and myself all together, but they, you know, they would take care of the barn work in the morning so I uh, could go to school during the day. Um, it was definitely hectic, especially, you know, around exam time, make sure you get your stuff done for school, study, doable if you, you know, I worked hard to do it, but it, it was definitely attainable. Now, Drew, the first uh, year I was there, we talked, and I remember you saying Spender Hanover was one of the, probably one of the best horses you'd gotten a chance to drive, and, um, you know, but what is a race that maybe sticks out in your head, whether it be uh, the Niatros Claiming Series or a Sire Stakes, what's a race that you've won that kind of sticks out into your head? You know, there actually is one, and, you know, I might have to look to Divine Intervention for this one, but. It was actually a claiming series final at Buffalo. You might have still been there for this. Um, it was with auditorial, and I'll tell you why this sticks out in my head. Is The night that it was supposed to be scheduled, we got about a foot of snow. The track condition was terrible. And we were debating canceling or not. Now, I didn't draw very well. I think I had like the five or six hole. You know, the horse didn't have a lot of gate speed. You know, I didn't know how I'd end up. He was more of a trip horse anyway, so I, I really didn't have a game plan. And on top of that, you know, he had a bad set of feet on him. He'd blow out, like, pus pockets, you know, stuff like that all the time. And he was going through something like that that night. We warmed him up, you know. He was blowing something out of his foot. The guy wasn't really sure. I believe uh, Daniel Mullet trained him. I'm sure you remember him. Um, he was debating whether even to race him or not. And I was sick, you know, to be scratched out of a race like that, especially at that point in my career. But we ended up canceling that night. And we came back the following week. He got the horse sounded up. They redrew the race, and I drew the rail. And I sat the pocket, and I ended up winning with him. And, you know, I couldn't believe it still to this day. It's just something It wasn't that big of a deal, and they were only, you know, four or five claimers. But it was just one of those things that, you wonder, you know, you wonder how it started and how it finished like that. You know, Drew, it's funny you mentioned that race because uh, Running Book, who was in the Meadowlands pace, was in the race before the Niatros final. And it was, yeah. it, it, I'll never forget, the snow was blowing like crazy. And there, I mean, just yep. snow everywhere. And it, it was oh, yeah. unreal. And then, of course, the next week to see it come back and win, it was, uh, it, it was definitely a sight to see. Yeah, that was, that was a good night for me. That was one of the nights that, you know, I win. I think three or four on the card, and that race I think was the open or the open two. It was definitely it was a good night. It was a good night. Visiting live with uh, rising star driver Drew Monty. Now, Drew, you're cutting your chops over at Buffalo Raceway, which is uh, obviously a half mile track. Uh, and we've talked already a couple times during this conversation already about how the weather, especially the cold and the snow, can play a factor. Um, driving. At Buffalo Raceway, maybe versus driving somewhere else. Uh, how would you say that driving at Buffalo Raceway going forward, looking a little bit ahead in your career, how would you say that driving at Buffalo Raceway is uh, going to help you kind of acclimate or drive at some of these other bigger racetracks coming up in the near future? Well, uh, in terms of the weather, I mean, I don't think there's going to be anywhere else colder in North America than January at Buffalo Raceway. Um, you know, I don't think I'll ever run into any weather related problems and how they affect my driving after driving here for, you know, a lot of my life and growing up in the Buffalo area. As far as the track goes, you know, it's a real flat racetrack. The turns are tight, long straightaways. There's times to be aggressive because it is a half mile track, 
but there's also times where patients can pay off in more like a big track oriented style. And I think that'll, you know, where you can use both sides of the coin and you don't get dominant on one style, I think that'll be something to better me, you know, if I decide to go anywhere else or move on in the sport. Now, now we talked I, about, you know, go ahead, Mike. I got uh, just one more for you, and I know Mike Bosa just got a couple, but Mike – or Mike, listen to me. Jeez, we – Drew, uh, you've dri- driven out here at Norfield, and uh, you've driven at, uh, at Mohawk and Woodbine, correct? Yep, yep, that's correct. Yeah, you've driven at both. What Do you have to change your driving strategy a little bit when you go from maybe the half to the mile track? Um. Yeah, I mean, you do – it's a little bit of a different style, you know, it's more, the speed's a little different, it's something to get used to, but you still, you know, you got to read the program, you got to know what horse you're driving, what you got in front of you, you know, they can do certain things, they can't do certain things, so, you know, it isn't all just the track, but going to, like, two turns instead of four, you know, how gate speed plays into a race, on a half-mile track, if you just don't have any gate speed at all, you know, a lot of times it hurts you, but, you know, it's just something you move race to race with. And the more you drive, you know, the more you have an understanding of that. It doesn't take so long to formulate a game plan. Drew, who were some of your influences driving when you grew up? Was there somebody that you pointed to or maybe uh, watched from a distance or maybe watched up close uh, that you picked up the most from as far as driving is concerned? Um, well, first and foremost, probably my father. I mean, he drove for a lot of years. He probably stopped driving in maybe 2004, 2005, and I was still, you know, younger, but I was old enough to watch him drive and be around the racetrack. And, of course, you know, he's helped me along, you know, these last few years since I've been driving. Um, but as far as anybody, like, around our circuit, uh, Kevin Cummings, he's probably been the most influential. You know, he's definitely, you know, took me under his wing, and, and he's taught me a lot and looked after me out there, you know, as much as you could ever want another guy to. We're two days away from the Hamiltonian. I mean, arguably, besides the little brown jug, maybe they go hand-in-hand, one of Harness Racing's biggest uh, spectacles, certainly. Do you see yourself there one day? You know, that would be great. Um, I know everybody in the sport, you know, we all watch it, we all follow it, we think we're close to it, but, you know, I've had close friends that actually had the privilege of being in it last year, um, and they said there's nothing like it. Uh, I would be, you know, honored to be in such a race like that. Hopefully someday, you know, you can you get in with the right people, you get the right horses. You know, hopefully that can be attainable. Drew Monty, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, I've been watching you drive uh, certainly over the past year or so and do a heck of a job out there. Certainly one of the true rising stars of this industry. Drew, we certainly appreciate you joining us and uh, keep giving them heck out there. No problem. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. That was uh, Drew Monty. And, you know, Mike, uh, a lot of people, um, you know, especially I've noticed here on the East Coast, um, you know, a lot of people are so focused. Racing fans are so focused on all the happenings out here in the East Coast. And their attention may stray every once in a while to the little brown jug um, or, you know, maybe every once in a while somewhere else. But primarily it's Meadowlands and it's Yonkers, and it's all the stakes races that, that pretty much happened out here in, uh, you know, within a two, three-hour, uh, four-hour driving distance. But you take a guy like Drew Monty, who's, uh, in my opinion, cutting his chops the right way. 
you know, at a smaller racetrack uh, in tough conditions. That's why I wanted to make sure that we asked him that question under tough conditions. And I certainly think that that is prepping him for something bigger and better. And it's going to be interesting to see, Mike, uh, how Drew Monty's driving comes along. And I'm saying when. I'm not saying if. I'm saying when he decides to make the move to uh, join the big dogs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I got to call his 100th victory up below. And the race he was talking about with the Niatros Series final, I mean, it was it, it was a bad night uh, for racing, you know, with the snow and all that. And, you know, when they redrew, I remember talking to him before the race, and he just was licking his chops, saying, you know, this is the week, you know. And he's just, you know, a good kid, great driver. And, you know, he's even got a college degree, Mike, so he's got something to fall back on if uh, if driving doesn't suit him. When we come back, it's going to be driver Scott Zeron. We're going to get back into the Hamiltonian conversation as well as a conversation of the big Saturday card. Scott Zeron's not only going to talk about Marion Marauder, but uh, he's also going to talk about all of his drives, uh, including Shambhala. What an effort that was uh, last time out against uh, the, the big horses, Wiggle It Jiggle, that always be making freaky feet, Pete. He's involved in the U.S. Uh, Pacing Championship as well. So we're going to talk to Scott. And also, we still have a Running Aces segment with Luke Plano. And don't forget, a big giveaway coming up. You want to live like a VIP in the Hamiltonian? You'll have your opportunity all you have to do is listen to this program, and you could have the opportunity. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a disqualification. It doesn't get much worse than picking a winner that ends up being disqualified after the race. What if you could eliminate the stress of sweating out a steward's inquiry? At Bet America, we're here to help. Introducing Inquiry Relief. Any winners of a graded stakes race will get paid out even if they are disqualified after a steward's inquiry. Check BetAmerica.com for details and side effects. Get the relief you deserve with inquiry relief only at BetAmerica.com. Friends of Maryland Standard Bread is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. This is your Maryland Minute. The Maryland Minute is brought to you by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. Check out Horses Healing Maryland's Military Riding Showcase, a Horseland special event on Friday, September 2nd in the Horse Show Ring at the Maryland State Fair. The HHMM, which is a new coalition of licensed Maryland stables offering therapeutic programs to veterans and their families, Military Riding Showcase will feature a military tribute, the U.S. Army Caisson Platoon, 3D Infantry Regiment with an Old Guard History Presentation, the Maryland National Capitol Park Police Mounted Unit, the Freedom Hills Therapeutic Riding Program, Veterans Drill Team, Star Equestrian Center Veterans Drill Team, and much, much more. For more information, visit www.MarylandStateFair.com.
Mike Bozich here on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by our good friends at Bet American. Right now, we're joined by driver Scott Zeron. Of course, uh, Scott not only with a drive uh, in the Hamiltonian uh, eliminations, but also uh, drives across the uh, Saturday program, the big car coming up on Saturday at the Meadowlands. Scott, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Thanks for having me, Mike. Well, give us your thoughts. Uh, Marion Marauder, of course, uh, coming into the Hamiltonian is really uh, on top of his game as far as form is concerned. I guess that's a pretty safe ass- assessment to say that he is really on top of his game coming into Saturday. Yeah, and he's really gotten better every start this year. And, you know, he's learning how to win and he's enjoying doing it. So I'm confident in the way he's coming in. He's had, this will be three weeks off heading into Saturday, but. I know they have him well-conditioned, and, uh, you know, he's fresh and ready to go. You know, one of the things coming into Hamiltonian, and pretty much the whole Hamiltonian season, and even going back uh, to uh, late 2015, it just seemed like Southwind Frank uh, was obviously the horse to beat pretty much every step of the way. And then Marion Marauder uh, emerged. Scott, when did you, from driving this horse, when did you realize that, hey, this horse is something special and this horse can go out there and compete with these? You know, as a two-year-old, I, I felt that way. But, you know, in the transition developing into three, I felt like, you know, we can beat Frank this year versus, you know, at two, I just, uh, we were handicapped a little in the fact that he never liked going directly up to the gate. So it enabled me to always have to get away near the back and Frank would always be positioned up close. So, I was chasing him all down as a two-year-old, and I could only get to his wheel. I could never got further than that. So I'm happy the way he's developed and matured at three, and, and this year he's allowed me to put him in any position I want. So that's what I'm most excited about, and I feel like I have every opportunity to win this. Of course, one of the different things about the Hambletonian, and really it's the Hambletonian and the Little Brown Jug, or the only, besides maybe some fair races across the country, that involve uh, heat racing. Uh, what uh, what do you think, uh, how do you think Mary Marauder will uh, handle perhaps going out there twice uh, in a day? Uh, I've spoke with the trainer about it, and you, know, you, you never know. And I think he, he's not a very heavy horse, so I don't think he's going to need that extra time to recoup and, and things like that. And he's well-conditioned right now. He seems like it won't bother him very much. I know they've been prepping him for this double heat race, you know, by training him mild, you know, in the extra distant races. And and I feel like it it won't affect him, you know, to my knowledge. We're going to find out on Saturday, but he seems like a horse. They, the trainer told me that he recoups well and, and he cools down quickly. You personally, as a driver, will the butterflies be going through the stomach or are you just taking a look at it as another race? You know, I, I hope they are because... As, as a catch driver, we do this every day and, and drive 10, 15 horses every single day, so the nerves are never an issue. I, I'm almost excited to be a little bit nervous for a race, and I, I hope I am because, you know, it just adds that excitement and the thrill to it. You know, these things don't happen every day, and, and uh, I'm grateful to be in it, and I hope I'm a little bit nervous. It makes it exciting. <laughs> Visiting with Scott Ciron, the driver of Mary Marauder. And not only Mary Marauder, but you've got uh, some pretty nice talent that uh, you'll be between the wheels uh, with coming up on uh, Saturday. Let's go through a couple of these, Scott. Race two in the Shady Daisy for three-year-old fillies, a short field. You're driving the likes of Call Me Queen Bee. What can you tell us about her? She's been great to drive. You know, she she lets me do whatever I want. She's great gate speed. I could put her on front. I could take her off gate. 
it's a five-horse field. I'm really going to have to make a, a judgment call behind the gate and see how it's going to unfold. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, you don't want to be sitting in the three-hole and locked in with five horses. So at the same token, you're never going to be too far out of it if you're sitting fifth. So, uh, you know, I know she'll let me do whatever I want to do, and it's just going to be about how I want to position her, and, and hopefully the race unfolds our way. Race 7 is the Cane Pace, a horse uh, that you've driven, American Passport, uh, come up a little short in the uh, Adios. What are your thoughts on uh, him here? I really love this horse. He, he, uh, he's his own worst enemy, and, and sometimes in these major events, he's just had uh, maybe a costly break, or you know, I got locked in in one of the races, but uh, he drew the 9-hole. It's a little extra distance. Uh, I feel like the extra distance is going to help us, you know, giving us the handicap with the nine hole. And, and I, you know, I'm going to just try and one run him, and hope, hopefully, I can get drug into the race nicely, and then just sprint him down the lane. Now that's his best move. And if I'm within uh, striking distance, I think he can get up there. Race eleven, uh, you're driving a horse by the name of Shambhala, a horse I think that has proven in his last start with just a huge effort against the likes of always be Mickey and Wiggle It, Jiggle It, and Freaky Feet Pete and the likes, that he can absolutely go with these. Your thoughts on the U.S. Pacing Championship with Shambhala? It's only seven horses. you got those top three. Everyone's going to be looking at those top three. Maybe not paying much attention to my horse, but uh, he's, he's a top contender. I feel like he could be nose of the part at the wire with those horses. So uh, He'll be flying under the radar, but if I can work out a nice trip and, and you know, hopefully follow one of those top three right to the head of the lane, I, I think he's gonna. He could get his picture taken. Hambletonian Oaks, you're driving a horse by the name of Dream Child. What can you tell us about her? Uh, I've never sat behind her before, but I spoke with Linda and I spoke to her, a few of her previous drivers, so uh, I, I got the just of what she's like. And I feel like if if I get the right trip, and I spoke with Linda that. She could uh, trot home pretty strong for me, and if things unfold the way that the horse likes, that uh, I could be I could be in, in the hunt for a top five, and you know that's what we're going for. And one more, Scott. Race uh, fifteen uh, in it to win a fortune in the Lady Liberty. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, her chances against the Aged Mares? Uh, Lady Shadow is, is pretty dominant, but <laughs> I believe she drew the trailing position, so that's going to really hurt her. My horse has an unbelievable gate speed, and you know, last week I went to the quarter and twenty-four and four in that stake race. So uh, <laughs> I'm not worried about uh, getting well positioned. So uh, uh, that's what we're probably going to do: is just you know push her off the wings, and and uh, hopefully the race you know there's not too much movement because I'd like to be sitting right uh, you know in the hole. So you know, that that's what we're going to be pushing for, and I think she'll follow a good horse all the way down the lane and and be right there. Now, Scott, this is your first time on this program, so before we let you go, uh, let's just get a, a real little bit of your background. Now, you're up in Canada. As a matter of fact, your father's coming up on a milestone. I can't remember the exact number of wins that he's approaching, uh, but he's coming up on a milestone, and you made the move a few years back from Canada to come down here uh, to uh, play your craft at the Meadowlands. What was first of all? What was behind the the motivation of that move? And second of all, uh, has it panned out? Have you adjusted? Well, obviously, you've adjusted quite well. But how was the adjustment process for you? Hey, everything's been great. And you know, my dad, my dad's got to be about five or six wins away from eight thousand. That's what so it that's is. A, eight thousand. Yeah. yeah, big big milestone for him. And uh, I'll be watching in the next few days. Hopefully, he can get it. But yeah, the move it really just came to. Uh, 
the year after I'd won the jug, I, you know, I had a career year that year when I won the Little Brown Jug. And, and uh, I'd noticed the next year, I still had a very good, like, uh, in my eyes, everything was great. I won a lot of major stakes, and it, it was a, a great year for me. But my total purse earnings by the end of the year had dropped significantly, and it was all due to the, the slots and, and our sharing revenue diminishing, really, up in Canada. And, and you know, it, it, it took a hit, and I felt like if ever I was going to make a transition, I'd want to do it before everybody from Canada kind of wanted to make the move, and I just wanted to get ahead of the traffic. So I moved down, and uh, I, I knew it was going to be a bit of a grind. I, I was willing to, to tough it out. But it, it really only kind of, in my eyes, took a, one year, and then people got behind me, and I had a lot of supporters, and things just really took off for me. A horse like Art Speak definitely helped me get to where I am and uh, in the States, and now, you know, two days away from being the leading driver at Meadowlands, it's, uh, it's more than I could have imagined, and I, I believe it was the right move, and I just hope it continues to be. One of the things out here, Scott, and one of the great uh, reasons about racing out here is, of course, not only do you race at the Meadowlands, but, I mean, you have you have Yonkers, and you have Harris Philly, and you have Pocono, and you have so many different racetracks that you can actually drive at, and a lot of times you race during the day, and then you race at night, which you've done quite a bit. How, what was that adjustment like, uh, just driving at so many races on a particular day, especially if you do the day-night thing? day and night wasn't a huge adjustment just because I had done that uh, when I was in Canada, just not to a certain extent of driving so many miles in the car. That was the only difference uh, in the state. You know, in Canada, I was used to driving afternoon and night and just grinding it out, trying to do my best to, to become a top driver. And when I came down here, I knew that that's what it was going to take again. So uh, we got to putting the miles on the car and, and going it's it's extremely extremely tough on you to to keep up with the schedule down here because that's what it is you know you have four dominant tracks that you can race at for great purses and I feel like if you're not at one of them you're missing opportunities and it's it's really tough to to not want to be at every place and I, I take a little bit of a step back this year and, and focus more on on Yonkers and Meadowlands and stake race and just following stake programs all around. America and and that's really worked out well for me. But if you are, if anyone wants to be a, a driver down here, you have to be willing to do a lot of driving in the car, track to track, day and night. It's uh, it's tough. Well, Scott, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and best of luck to you coming up on Saturday in the Hamiltonian. Much appreciated. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland-Cruz and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. 
New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack is one of the premier harness racing facilities and card clubs in the Midwest. Located in beautiful Minnesota, just north of the Twin Cities, off I-35, and also available at simulcast outlets and ADWs across North America with live harness racing action May through September. For the full schedule and for more information, visit our website, runaces.com. Here are the highlights from the past week of racing action at Running Aces on Saturday, July 30th. Banker Volo trotted to his seventh win in nine starts this season in the $12,000 Open Handicap Trot with trainer driver Nick Rowland in the Sulky, 156-2. Then it was Swagasaurus Rex taking top honors in the $10,200 Minnesota Sire three-year-old Pace Class A, boasting a new lifetime mark of 154-1 with driver Rick McGee. In the $6,800 B split, the talented gelding Cirax was ultra sharp again, going gate to wire in 155 and 2 with Brian Deachin in the bike. Cirax is now 7 for 9 this season. On Sunday, July 31st, the show stopping performance came from Roland and Rock. He posted his 30th career victory in a scintillating performance in 151 and 4, absolutely dominating. The $13,000 open handicap pays for horses and geldings with Nick Rowland in the bike. They stopped the clock just one-fifth of a second off of the four-year-old pacing geldings track record. Also on Sunday, the Minnesota Sire three-year-old trotters went postward for $17,000 in two divisions. The Class A split would see the winning dollar, hosting another sharp victory, his sixth win in seven starts this year in 159-3 with Nick Rowland. The B division went to Bombshell Betty, and she continues to be impressive this season, notching her fifth win in nine starts in two minutes and two-fifths with Jim Marino. Nick Rowland had a grand slam on Sunday with four winners on the program. On Tuesday, August the 2nd, Party Hangover 2 did not disappoint her loyal fans, posting another big win in the $13,000 Mayor's Open Pace, stopping the clock in 154-2 with trainer driver Steve Wiseman. She is now 8-for-12 this season. Fire Drake put on a fantastic performance on Tuesday night in a $5,500 condition pacing event with a 153-1 mile, the last half in 55-1. With Nick Rowland driving, it was a new lifetime mark for Fire Drake. Also on Tuesday, what it do, Baby Boo put pace to a new mark of 158-3 in the $8,000 Minnesota Sire 2-year-old Philly Pace with Steve Wiseman. Then Steve's Hot Rod with Rick McGee in the bike shined in the $8,000 2-year-old Gelding Pace for Minnesota Sire Horses in 158-1, also a new lifetime mark. On Wednesday, August 3rd, the 3-year-old Philly trotter My Little Susie with trainer driver Steve Wiseman posted a track record performance, beating older mares in the $11,000 open handicap trot for fillies and mares, stopping the clock in 156-4 to become the fastest 3-year-old Philly trotter in Aces history. She's now won 12 races this year. Okay, Darren Gagne here at Running Aces, and joining me today on the program is driver Luke Plano, who just passed a 3,000 win plateau on Tuesday night here at Running Aces. He's been among the top five drivers here in Minnesota over the past few years. 
He's also the reigning champion driver at Cal Expo Harness in Sacramento, California. Welcome to the show, Luke Plano. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. It's our pleasure. Now, Luke, we want to congratulate you on your 3,000th career driving win on Tuesday night. Tell us about your feelings on achieving that great milestone. Uh, it's just it's just a really good feeling. You know, I've had a chance to drive for a, a lot of good trainers and a lot of talented horsemen over over the years, and it's just nice to finally get to this level. Great. Now, I spoke to you briefly on Tuesday night after you won that 3,000th race, and one of the things you said was you were happy to get it over with because you didn't want to get stuck on 2,999. What happened is you won the last two races on Sunday night, so you were sitting at 2,999, and then you got it done in the very first race on Tuesday night. That's the way to do it. You, re- you, you eliminated all the drama. <laughs> right, 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 exactly, yep. So uh, that was a good deal, and uh, it's over and done with. And then a couple races later, you, you got started on your next 1,000 by winning another race. So that was good. Now, you've kept us busy here the last couple of years with your milestones. Last uh, summer, uh, during the running aces season, you passed the $10 million mark in purse uh, earnings. And so uh, just want to say keep them coming. We'll be ready for you. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Now, we also want to congratulate you on your dominating performance last fall and winter at Cal Expo, of course, you know, the fans here at Running Aces, they follow, uh, you know, the action out of Cal Expo and, you know, the California guys that come here. So they were excited to see you. You had a dominating win over, over the drivers out there uh, last season. So congratulations on that. Now, you probably grew up in harness racing, as many as of, a, uh, of us have. Your father, Rick Plano, is a very accomplished horseman and driver as well. And so you probably grew up in this sport around it as a small child and the whole deal. But tell us a little bit about it and then how you got your start in racing and became a driver yourself. Yeah, you know, I definitely grew up around the horses. You know, when I got out of high school, my dad had about 60 horses out in California. And it wasn't even that I really liked the horses as much as I didn't really want to go to school. That was my biggest <laughs> thing. I actually liked to read the program a lot when I was a kid. I was always studying the program and looking at the horses' stats and stuff like that. And then when I got out of school and went to work for my dad, then I started learning the other side of the business, you know, the grooming and taking care of the horses and stuff like that, and then I learned to really like it. Cool. Um, so you started driving at what age? Um, I got my license in uh, 2000, so I was 20 years old. Okay, so you got a later start, really, than some of the guys do. They're right at it, like, at 15 and 16 years old. Yeah, it seems like most guys get a chance to, to drive at fairs and stuff in most states, and in California we don't have that option. So, like Good I said, point. I was a little, little, little bit of a late bloomer on that, but uh, you know, I actually got it when I did start driving. There was a lot, of, a lot of good drivers in California, and it, and it was pretty tough. So, even though I thought I knew what I was doing, I really didn't. And I, right. had, I had to, I had a chance to drive some nice horses when I started out, but I really had to, you know, get things together and figure out how to how to get things done because nobody was, uh, you know, letting me get it done. So. Right. Okay. Um, so you had to, you know pay your dues, so to speak, and work your way right, in and exactly. learn as you went and that sort of thing. You certainly did do that, and uh, you've made your way up the ladder. Now, this is a tough question that I always have to throw at uh, you guys. Uh, what is a favorite horse that you've been involved with over the years? Do you have one or two that maybe stand out in your mind? You know, it's, it's a little bit tough, you know. Um, as far as as far as far a driver, my dad's had so many nice horses over the years, but the horses that really stand out was... Uh, my dad had a horse that uh, he bought at a sale, you know, a young horse named Frankie Loves Meatballs. Okay. He was a very nice horse. He ended up having uh, a bad stipo, and he retired a little bit early. But uh, I got a chance to go up to, to Mohawk and drive him in the North American Cup elimination. He was a super talented horse. So he's probably the best horse that I ever drove. And uh, my dad had a, a nice, you know, thirty or forty thousand dollar horse that he, he uh, claimed named Supermarket. He was a Illinois horse, and uh, 
he came to California and he was just the nicest horse to drive. And I was pretty young, and he kind of taught me taught me a lot about how to how to drive nice horses. So he kind of stands out in my mind as well. Cool, very good. Two good examples there. Now, in addition to being a busy catch driver, both at Cal Expo and here at Running Aces, you also train a few of your own horses. Tell us a little bit about that. How many horses do you have in your stable right now? Um, I have uh, 12 horses here right now and 12 stalls. In California, I had closer to 16 or 17. Wow. Okay. And uh, when it got time to come out here, I had to kind of, you know, pick and choose. So I kind of thought I would bring the best ones that would fit here. And I turned a couple out and sent a couple uh, every which way. So I usually keep it somewhere between a dozen and, and 18, I guess, would be the number I stay okay. at. Okay. That'll definitely keep you busy. Yeah, definitely. You generally keep more, like, uh, claiming type of horses or... What do you like to generally have? Yeah, in your I mean, it's not really my preference, but the, the guys that I mostly train for t- tend to have the, the, the hard-knocking claimers, and they kind of fit my program a little bit better, so I kind of stick with those okay. guys. But, you know, I don't really have a preference on that. I mean, I kinda, I'm kind of getting into the younger horses a little bit, and the right. horses that I can develop myself, is, that's also a good That's time. a great aspect of the sport, yes, definitely. Now, do you like being a catch driver more or being a trainer driver more or, or the same? Uh, these days, it's pretty much the same. I mean, um, I'm 36 now. I'm starting definitely to focus on the training aspect of the game. Where when I was younger, I really just wanted to catch drive and like get on him and go. Right. And my dad had so many horses that I helped him out in the mornings, and then just just got a chance to drive, and that was really really quite fun. But you know, these days it's nice to be able to drive your own, where you know exactly what you're getting into. Absolutely. As far as how they're rigged up and how they're going to behave, where sometimes when you drive for other guys, you really you know it's a crapshoot on what you're what you're getting involved right. in. Right. So that's a very good point. Now, are there any horses in your stable right now here at Running Aces that you maybe feel like might be one we want to watch out for as maybe making a big improvement or training particularly well right now, something like that? You know, you know the horses are, are haven't been super consistent this year, but the horse that I, I, I just got in there about about 10 days ago was a horse uh, named Cooper's Beach, mm-hmm. who I had here last year, and uh, he had some problems towards the end of the meet here, and uh, he went back to my dad. He had a little time off, and he seems to be coming back pretty sharp, so he's probably the best one to keep your eye on. Okay. So we will look out for Cooper's Beach here. And finally, Luke, I want to ask you, you know, you've been coming to running, running Aces for several years now. What are your favorite things about running Aces coming here and racing here every year? Uh, honestly, you know, it's, it's, a great, it's a great facility, and uh, the people around here are, uh, you know, genuine. You know, it's a very friendly place. It's, it's, uh, everybody gets along. It's a good time. But uh, I really like the state. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a clean state. It's, uh, the city is nice. It's not far from here. There's always stuff to do. And uh, the horsemen tend, tend to always have something going on here. So that's what, right. what I like about it. It is beautiful. Uh, I have the same feelings. You know, my second year up here in Minnesota, I really like the state as well. Nice people, lots right. of things to do, clean, fresh, right. um, all kinds of activities. Well, listen, Luke, uh, we want to we congratulate you once again on your big accomplishment, and thank you for joining us on the show. We wish you a lot of success here in run, at Running Aces and back at Cal Expo uh, in, the, in the fall. All right. right? Thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you, Luke. It. Appreciate it. And coming up this weekend at Running Aces on Saturday, the three-year-old Minnesota Sired Pacers will go postward for $17,000 in two divisions with Syrax and Minta Cruz, the early favorites in the B division, and Stucky Dode and Swagasaurus Rex and Freedom Reigns headlining the A grouping. On Sunday, the Minnesota Sire three-year-old trotters will go to battle in just one division this week for $16,500 with the winning dollar Margins Echo and Bombshell Betty as the early favorite to the eight-horse contest. Also on Sunday, the $13,000 open pace for horses and geldings has a talented field of nine horses assembled, including Jazzmanian Devil, 
Buddy's Hope, I'm an Athlete in Dry Ice, to name a few of the contenders. Four nights a week of live harness racing action at Running Aces now through the end of the season, with live racing on Saturday and Sunday evenings, post times at 6 p.m. Central, and then live racing on Tuesday and Wednesday nights as well, with a first race post time of 7 p.m. on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Don't forget, coming up on Tuesday night, a $5,000 guarantee in the 50-cent late pick four wager at Running Aces. $5,000 guaranteed in the 50-cent late pick four on Tuesday nights at Running Aces. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations. Racehorse Adoption Program. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter joined by Mike Bozich. And we're going to talk a little bit of this week in hardest racing. But, Mike, I think we're ready to give away our uh, VIP package or at least tell people how how they can win. Well, we're going to ask them a trivia question. We decided on the trivia question. It obviously pertains to the Hamiltonian. So get set to answer said trivia question. And uh, you're going to have to be very quick on the trigger here because it's going to be the first one to respond. Now, uh, Mike, they're going to have to respond to Twitter or Facebook, right? Is that how this is going to work? Correct. They respond to Twitter or Facebook. The question has been released. So if uh, we get a winner within the next 15 minutes, we'll announce it. If not, we'll, uh, we'll uh, make sure we tweet it out, but you're going to get a VIP package. And um, I'm going to open the email that we got from Bet America that will tell us exactly what is in that VIP package. Um, Mike, they have been fantastic to uh, give this um, to give this to us. The 
Uh, right, real quick, real quick, Mike. Have, before you, I'll give you, I'll give you a second to do that. Before let's let's ask the question for those of you, you that you that may not be right on social media at this second. Name the last track to host the Hambletonian before the Meadowlands took over the event. That's all we need to know. The last track to host the Hambletonian before the Meadowlands took over the event. If you can answer that, Facebook or Twitter, whichever one's your preference, the first one to answer it will give away this VIP package for the Hambletonian. Now, Mike, what's in that package? It's uh, two hot tickets, and um, the tickets are reserved outdoor seats plus access to the indoor buffet and victory lounge. And um, you're going to be with the rest of the VIP players from Bet America. That and they do a ton of these like hospitality trips and things like that, Mike. So uh, we're really, really, really excited to uh, be able to give these uh, to give these seats away. And we also uh, gave away a thirty-five dollar seat to a Friday contest earlier this afternoon. And the Saturday contest is coming up at the Meadowlands. It's a $7,500 Hamiltonian Day handicapping contest, and it's featuring racing from the Meadowlands. And it begins in race three and goes through race number 12, which is the Hamiltonian Oaks. And, uh, Mike, I got to tell you, Bet America does a fantastic job with uh, their promotions. Yeah, they certainly do. They certainly do, Mike. They're number one in customer service. Uh, they take care of their customers. They're fantastic. Uh, it's very, very easy access as far as operating. If you're not really too familiar with computers, their interface is very, very simple, very easy to understand. It's really A1 as far as any ADWs that uh, you might be considering. So visit Bet America if you don't have an account. If you don't have an account, make sure you check them out. Make sure you sign up because, uh, like we said, Mike, the contests are terrific. Uh, the wagering experience is terrific. Anything you could ever want in an ADW, Mike. No, I completely agree. And uh, maybe, they're, and they're not as deflated as Belichick earlier this afternoon. <laughs> oh, that's, all, that's, that's all I'm saying. That's the blind saying. squirrel. The blind. The blind squirrel finds one. Listen, they're serving us uh, an ounce up some softballs lately. So uh, you know, but here's the thing. Okay, for those of you that don't know, I made a call today earlier at Harris, Philadelphia. There's a horse by the name of uh, Bill Acheck. I think it was B-I-L-L or B-E-L-L. I can't remember now, but uh, the horse was kind of languishing in the back, and I said uh, Belichick is uh, sixth on the outside, and his chances, uh, her chances are deflating or something like that. And then uh, now I'm praying after I make that uh, call that this horse don't start storming down the center of the racetrack. Well, all of a sudden, they come to the top of the stretch, and this horse starts to show some life three wide. I'm like, oh, boy, this would be perfect. This horse comes and rallies to win, you know. But uh, she did close some ground, and she did finish fourth, and I think she was only a couple of lengths off the win. But, uh, boy, you talk about the pie in your face if that horse would have come back and won. Oh, totally. Well, Mike, uh, just as we've been talking here, we've got a winner. And who is just it? like just like that? We've got a winner. Uh, just like that, Mike, Vance Cameron. Yeah, right. Yeah, Mike James from Facebook has oh, answered Mikey. correctly. The correct answer is Duquan, and Mike Duquan, James Duquan, is Duquan, going Mike, Duquan, Duquan. Excuse Duquan. me, Duquan, not yeah. Duquan. I'm sorry, Duquan. Yeah. And uh, he is going to the Hamiltonian. He gets two tickets and a uh, the indoor buffet. So uh, we hope that uh, we hope that uh, Mike enjoys it, and it's it, it's going to be a great time. I heard that uh, the Victory uh, Buffet is going to be fantastic. Well, good. I found out who I'm hanging out with come Hamiltonian Day. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Congratulations, Mike. Listen, we certainly uh, appreciate you listening, and uh, you know, hey, it was uh, 
it's, it's going to be a fun day on Saturday, and, uh, you know, it'll be fun to have you. And, and by the way, uh, Mike James, a, a, a follower of ours, uh, both on Facebook and Twitter, and a big follower of the show, uh, is uh, certainly a great contributor to racing. And uh, he had a nice uh, pick four a couple of days ago with uh, Harris Philadelphia when we had that carryover of a couple thousand dollars. So, anyway, congrats to Mike James, and uh, we'll see you on Saturday, my friend. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mike, you ready to go around the horn? This is our favorite. Uh, this is my favorite segment. And, and, you know, I say we going around the horn. You know, I know they use it on ESPN sometimes. But, Mike, we literally go around the horn. We can get through all these races in about 10 minutes. So, uh, as I always say, strap in, hold on tight. This is going to be uh, a, a big day of racing at Meadowlands coming up on Saturday. We're going to go through the entire stakes-laden program. And uh, are, are you ready for it, Mike? We're going to start it off with the Shady Daisy. Yeah, we just really want to take a look at these races, and it's not so much for handicapping, but we just want to make uh, people aware of some of the superstars in harness racing that that uh, are uh, performing this particular weekend. I don't think this card needs any particular buildup, Mike. This Hamiltonian card is certainly huge. It starts in race two for three-year-old fillies, the Shady Daisy. Now, trivia question. Maybe this should have been our trivia question. Who is absent here, Mr. Carter, that we are going to see later on on the card facing the fellas? You're your friend country. Facing the fellas, that's going to be interesting. But uh, this leaves it kind of, uh, you know, an interesting matchup here. Darling on the beach, Blue Moon Stride. We talked to Scott Ziron earlier about Call Me Queen Bee, who uh, he really likes. It's only a five-horse field. Uh, we talked to Nancy Johansson last week. She's very high on Darling on the beach. Had the AFib situation uh, back in the Lynch finals uh, at uh, under two to one, and that was certainly uh, well, I guess it, the situation could have been a lot worse. Thank goodness that the situation turned out the way it did. But uh, she's firing back on all cylinders. She made a break at three quarters last time, still finished second to pure country. But uh, listen, if they're willing to make Blue Moon Stride the favorite, I am certainly willing to take a chance on Darlin on the beach here. No, I can't, uh, can't really say I blame you. I think Darlin on the beach is the horse to uh, to beat. And, you know, it, this race is without pure country is just not as competitive as I would like to see it. I think Darlin on the beach is a, uh, is a prime contender. Mike, real quick, before, before we go on, I got, I got to tell you that America just tweeted at us and said, well, you know, they were congratulating Mike James and the hashtag they used everyone's name, Mike. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of mics in the world. There's a lot of mics in the world. Uh, moving on, race number three, and by the way, uh, much to uh, the chagrin of a particular Mike, I know there is no show wagering back in that five-horse second. Oh, moving man, on no to the wagering. third, we're going to the mile and an eighth distance, Mike. It's uh, the uh, Fresh Yankee. It's a TBG free-for-all mares, uh, Trotter's Field of Ten. Of course, the big story, Mike, here is Hannah Lore Hanover. Uh, she's great. She's good. She won the, Hamble- she won the Hamiltonian Maturity. Uh, she was fantastic in the Armbro flight at Mohawk. She's uh, done nothing wrong this year. 10 of 11, only one second place finish uh, out of the 11 starts this year. And I certainly think she deserves the two to five favoritism. Anybody that can step up and uh, beat this two to five shot here, Mike? You know, it, it, this race is going to be very interesting. And I, I'll tell you why. Barndall has not been racing all that great as of late. She fifth against non-winners company last time out, was in the Miss Versatility and was second to Jules and Hawk. But the big thing to notice here, Mike, is that she's going first time Lasix. And I think that is, I mean, that's a huge, huge angle if you ask me. Um, Barndall definitely could be a small amount of play. The problem in this field is 
just post positions eight through 12, in my opinion, really don't have that big of a chance. Shake it. Carey showed up here in the, um, in the Cleveland classic. It was third to Obergato and muscle up the goal. I, I just don't think that she is the same horse. Then of course, to the inside, you've got Jules and Hawk. And then of course, Hanalor Hanover. I think Hanalor Hanover is probably going to be the key horse here, but like I got to tell you, if you're trying to play some exotics, I think Barndall could present a little bit of value. Certainly, and I did misspeak, by the way, that there is a field of 12, not 10. Kelsey's keepsake and Swish and Flicker, both starting from the second tier to make that mile you're, and an eighth. Yeah, a field of 12, <laughs> anyway. Moving right along, the fourth race is the Peter Houghton final uh, memorial for uh, two-year-old Colton Gelding Trotters. Uh, and uh, here you definitely have a field of 10. And here's Sam McKee's buddy, Rubio, at 5-2 to <laughs> for uh, the uh, combination of Jimmy Tankter and Yannick Shingron. By the way, it's Yannick's birthday today. So happy birthday to Yannick. I think he turns 37 today. Um, Victor uh, Geoit, uh, starting from post four, uh, is a gat driver Bjorn Goop. And uh, we talked about that a little bit with Moira Fanning. And uh, What the Hill starts from post number two. And uh, this horse is uh, coming off a near miss last time in the elimination. What say you here, Mike? You know, this is a interesting race, and What the Hill is a horse that uh, raced really well uh, last time out, come home in 154-4 off a 28-second final uh, quarter. You know, facing Rubio is going to be tough. Rubio uh, looked very strong, uh, came first up last week, and then the week before in the kindergarten uh, was parked to the quarter, then came first up and won easily. I think Rubio and What the Hill are the two horses to really look at in this field. King of the Hill or King on the Hill, excuse me, drew very well to the inside. And Mike, I think six to one is a little bit, is a little bit uh, too much. If you ask me, this horse dead heated with Rubio um, last time out at coming first up, had to make up a lot of ground and came home in 27 and two. That's faster than what any of the other horses in this field had to come home. This very easily could be a Jimmy Tactic trifecta here, Mike, one, four, six in any order. Uh, but we're kind of getting a preview of what perhaps Hamiltonian 2017 could look uh, a little like. Race five is the Jim Doherty Memorial. This for two-year-old Philly Trotters. Uh, this is going the uh, straight mile in a field of 10. And uh, another pretty stout morning line favorite here with Ariana J. She's undefeated. She starts from the inside. And uh, she's won her races pretty easily, Mike. Yeah, you know, I think Ariana G is the horse to beat in this field. She's defeated everyone by insurmountable uh, margins as of late, minus the uh, Jim Nation last week, where she only won by a length and three quarters uh, against Broadway Adol and Waffle Cone. I think Ariana G is going to be your key horse in race five. This is a uh, competitive field, sort of. Um, you've got Chizatter, who draws post five, who excuse me, who is three for four and is yet to miss the board. Uh, this explosive matter Philly looks strong for trainer Tron Smedchammer. And then you've got, that's all money from post eight. Like this is another, uh, you, you've got a lot of good uh, trotting uh, trainers in this field. You got Tron Smedchammer, Jimmy Tactor's got a couple in here. Swanstead, but I think it's going to be uh, Tactor on top of Smedchammer in race five. The Cashman. Coming up in race number six, a one-mile trot for a field of 10. Uh, they start 10 across, and uh, Resolve is right now the two-to-one favorite. But uh, Ambergado, uh, who lost to Hanalore Hanover and J.L. Cruz, who was starting right to his outside and was a third-place finisher last time. You have to wonder, is Ambergado's form starting to go south? I mean, he really caught fire there in the month of June, and uh, it actually it all started in, at the end of May. 
when Abregato won the Maxi Lee and uh, then went on a tear there through that month of June and in the early part of July, of course, all culminating in that big win in the Cleveland Classic and 153-2. and two. But, uh, you know, J.L. Cruz is always capable. I mean, we certainly know that. I think he's one of the great trotters of our time, as is Resolve. Do you see anybody besides the triumvirate of Resolve, Abregato, or J.L. Cruz that could play a factor in here? You know, that makes it a tough race. I think the five, six, seven would be the strong horses. Flanagan Memory, who draws the rail, raced really well in a preferred handicap at Mohawk last week and the week before uh, for driver Chris Christofferu. And Chris comes down to drive uh, Flanagan Memory against this field. I think Flanagan Memory could present a uh, little bit of value uh, at six to one if the price holds, which I think six to one is probably going to be a little bit of an underlay money. I'm expecting probably eight or ten to one. So Flanagan Memory could provide a little bit of value to your uh, exotic tickets. Race seven is the mile and an eighth cane pace. And Mike, this is a race all of us at Northfield Park will be watching. Uh, as the three-year-old Carl Milstein Memorial is the following week. The Cane Pace for three-year-old open pacers is race seven, and it features a very strong field. You've got Meadowlands Pace winner control the moment here. You've got on the rail check six, Mike, who's been racing really well. Uh, Look sharp in the Adios final over a very sloppy track that day where Racing Hill put up some torrid fractions, was parked out, had a horrible trip, and uh, then, you know, came on to win. Uh, Manny draws post two, but Mike, this looks like a, a two-horse race, if you ask me. Well, and don't forget Pure Country sitting down in post 11. I think that's <laughs> I the big that. question here. Is And I, I appreciate you leaving that to me. Is Can she can she compete with the boys? I think that's the big question, Mark. And she's starting from post 11. You never know. You never, ever know how a second trip I'm sorry, a second-tier trip is going to go. You could never – it doesn't matter what the horse's racing style is. You can never accurately predict how it's going to go. So we absolutely know nothing about the trip your country is going to get. But I'll tell you what, for her to take on the likes of Control the Moment and Check Six, uh, to me, is a pretty tall order. And, uh, you know, I think Control the Moment is absolutely the one to beat in here. I think two to one's a steal. And what even lends credence to that, Mike, is the fact of what Racing Hill did in the Adios. I mean, race in the Adios, rather. Racing Hill was just tremendous, almost beat Control the Moment. I think that lends credence to exactly how good Control the Moment is, Mike. Yeah, definitely. And uh, real quick, a shout out to two horses, and one of them being Pure Country. I think Pure Country and Highland Beachy Cove both supplemented to this race. So that that speaks terms that what trainer Tony Alanya, excuse me, trainer Tony Alanya and trainer Jimmy Tactor both think of their horses. They had to supplement to this race to get in. So I think you got got to play that a little bit uh, when you're coming into your wagering strategies, Mike. All right, let's take a look at the first of two uh, eliminations of the Hamiltonian uh, race number eight. Hamiltonian 91 elimination. The eliminations are going for $70,000, and we've got the field of nine in each. Of course, the big matchup is the second elimination with Marion Marauder against Southwind Frank. But here is this first elimination, a little bit more wide open. 
The uh, morning line favorite at 9-5 to five coming off the victory in the Schwag is bar hopping. Of course, this is a horse probably in this second or this first elimination that's got the most credentials. I'm actually liking a long shot here. I like Milligan's school. I thought 25-1 to one was a big-time deal last time. This horse raced well in that particular race. I think this horse needs a little bit of a pace scenario and a pace setup. But uh, if he gets it and the trip goes, goes his way, especially in this elimination, I like the 10-1 to one, uh, odds of Milligan's school. Mike, you know, it, it's interesting because Make or Miss has been really, really um, disappointing, if you ask me, um, over the past, you know, this year. I really expected more out of Make or Miss. And, you know, drawing post three uh, against this field um, definitely could help Make or Miss's chances. But Milligan School is uh, definitely could be a play with second in the Zweig. I like bar hopping, though, from the rail. I think bar hopping is going to take the uh, the first heat. And in that second heat, Mike, uh, it's Marion Murata versus Southwind Frank. Um, I guess Love Matters is uh, probably a third, uh, maybe a third choice. I don't know. Sutton is in there as well. But uh, honestly, four to five versus three to one from a from a wagering perspective, I'll take the three to one any day in the week with Marion Murata, especially how good this horse has been as of late. And I think Mike Carter's helplessly stuck on mute. So anyway, Marion Marauder, no, I think is. Uh, oh, there you are. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. I was. We had a knock at the door that was unexpected. So no, um, Mike. You know, it's interesting. The second heat. I'm going to assume that's what you're talking about. Uh, the second heat. Marion Marauder versus Southwind Frank. You know, the fact that Marion Marauder drew inside of Southwind Frank, I think helps Marion Marauder's chances. It, uh, chances listen to me chances i think marion marauder uh has a, a ton of early speed and i think that that could help out marion marauder but the question is is the royal harry and jimmy william going to try to uh, mess this up for those guys well we'll have to wait and see it is an elimination race 10 is the vincennes invitational and of course uh, we're talking about this race because pinkman is back uh making his fifth start of the year uh coming off of a 53 and two qualifier draws the inside the actual morning line favorite here is musical rhythm winner of the graduate in 151 and two it just had a, a impossible trip mike in the hambo maturity was parked out the whole way from post nine uh, you've got some others in here i mean wings of royalty certainly accomplished world Cup. I've had a chance to call a lot of his races. He's raced a lot. Uh, Miladies Monet is is uh, always tough, but uh, I'm thinking musical rhythm is definitely the way to go here. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Pinkman qualified really strongly, 27 and two, 153 and two, um, off a tough performance in the Graduate at Tioga Downs. But I think that musical rhythm is going to come back to uh, come back to form here. You know, he, he, like you said, he got an impossible trip um, in the Hamiltonian Maturity. And we'll give you a uh, give you a little bit. If five to two is a great price, and I think um, you know five to two is going to be a uh, if you can get five to two, it is uh, going to be a steal. Well, Mike, the race I know I'm looking forward to is the TVG Open U.S. Pacing Championship, two hundred twenty-five thousand five hundred fifty dollars, and the big three are back. Always be Mickey versus Freaky Feet Pete versus Wiggle and Jiggle it. And they draw three, four, and six. And you know who I'm going with here. I like Freaky Feet Pete. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, listen, I have always thought that these three were going to trade wins all year. Um, and uh, always be Mickey's actually had the leg up on these horses a couple of times. Uh, but Freaky VP didn't really have uh, that great of a trip in the Houghton. I mean, he left, got shuffled back. And listen, and we've talked to trainers on this program, when you're going that fast, and even if you lose a half a length or a length or a length and a half, to try to close on this caliber of horse is just a very tough thing to do. So it's going to depend on the trip. But I will tell you one thing. Shambhala impressed me all the heck in the William Houghton. I mean, he really did. You know, battling pretty much first over uh, for a long period of time. Parked that mile. And uh, to hang in there as game as he did, I thought was just an outstanding effort. Uh, Evening of pleasure. Was able to uh, beat him last week uh, at Mohawk. But uh, I do think Shambhala fires back here. Scott Zeron is back in the bike. And uh, listen, I, I would, if you're from a wagering perspective, uh, the way I would play this race for some dollars is to try to get Shambhala at double-digit odds in that second or third spot uh, behind uh, one of the big three. And I think you can make some money doing that, Mike. Yeah, Mike, definitely. I think you can, you know, you can make some money. And listen, Shambhala, if Shambhala gets the right trip – I think that uh, Shambhala could definitely uh, show up and uh, surprise somebody. You know, Shambhala was second to always be Mickey two starts back in the uh, Billy Houghton. I think Shambhala has a big chance as well uh, to show up in the exotics. All right, the Hamiltonian Oaks is race 12. You got that full field of 10. A uh, little bit of havoc uh, in the eliminations as you had long shots. Side bet Hanover winning at 38-1. to one. Not so much of a long shot celebrity artsy. I mean, she was 5-1, uh, to one, but uh, still a little bit of a surprise to her uh, to see her win. But, I mean, you had favorites Caprice Hill lose, all the time lose. Uh, Broadway Donna uh, lost. So it's going to be interesting to see. And, of course, just a side note, Mike, that track was very sloppy last time, so it's going to be interesting to see how perhaps the fast track will affect things and maybe get things back on track for the likes of uh, all the time Caprice Hill and Broadway Donovan. Listen, I think you're going to get an upsetter here in Window Shopper. Window Shopper is wow. uh, is a big, big, big morning line horse. But I got to – you know, there's been some talk on Twitter, and I'm not one to bash morning lines. That's not where I'm going with this. I think, you know, the – driver change from Ocas Fonstead to Brian Sears is a huge driver change. And after finishing fifth, after an almost impossible trip in the Hamiltonian Oaks elimination last time out, I think window shopper has a big, big shot to uh, upset this field. Do I think you're going to get 40 to one? Not so much, but I'm definitely putting window shopper as my number one pick in the Hannah contest. Wow. That is huge. That could be huge with all the contenders in there. I'll tell you what you might get. Uh, I don't think you'll get 40, but you might get 15 or 20 to one. Certainly. Uh, do you want to look at this 14th race real quick, Mike? I know it's not a stakes race, but it's an open. And because of the level of talent, you've got Mel Mara uh, being coupled within the arsenal. You've got the bit of a legend in here. You've got rock eyed optimist in here, rock and Ron, certainly some great talent in here. Interesting. Mel Mara, a scratch sick last week on the Adios card, uh, trying to uh, come back after the sixth. Have you heard anything about uh, Mel Mara? Obviously, she's uh, obviously he's healthy. Yeah, not, nothing that I've uh, nothing that I've heard. Uh, you know, just uh, was just a sick you know sick scratch. That's all I know at this point. 
Okay, but that is certainly going to be an interesting race as well. And then uh, we'll uh, end this thing on the 15th, and then we'll give our Hamiltonian prediction. But the 15th is the uh, TBG Lady Liberty. It's a free-for-all for Mares going a mile and an eighth. You've got the field of 12. And uh, like Scott Zeron said, Lady Shadow has just been racing out of this world. I mean, she's just been very, very good. But tonight it's from the second tier. And, uh, Mike, we all know, and big odd situations, uh, maybe 10 to 1 or more, that uh, the ageless one, Andra Vett, can sometimes step up and get you. But I'll tell you what, there's some great value in this race, Mike. Katie said is very capable. Venus Delight is very capable. Sasa Hanover is very capable. He's got a lot of capable horses if the second tier doesn't jive with Lady Shadow here uh, coming up on Saturday. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Katie said has got a big, big shot here. Better and better. Drew uh, well to the inside. He's been racing at Yonkers um, and has been facing, you know, listen, racing at Yonkers is no uh, no easy task. You've got Venus Delight, who uh, gets a good post position tonight, but I'm also liking Andrevet. Sasa Hanover made a big, big effort at the Meadowlands, closing home strongly in 26-1, and Mike, last time out. So I think Sasa Hanover is uh, coming back to her stride as well. So it's time for our Hamiltonian selections. It's going to be a field of 10. It will The final will go as race 13. It's the $1 million Hamiltonian final. It kicks off the 50-cent late pick four with the Oaks Hambo double. And, Mike, my selection – and I think people are going like, to be a little surprised by this. I'm going with Marion Marauder. I think Marion Marauder's got a shot to win the Hamiltonian. I think that the two heats does not affect uh, Marion Marauder all that much. And I think Scott Zeron is going to bring home his first Hamiltonian with Marion Marauder. It's going to be a great, great thing. I mean, Mary Murata versus Southwind Frank uh, versus all the others. And actually, Mike, I hate to do this to you. I really hate to do this to you. I'm going to agree. My pick is Marion Marauder in the Hamiltonian as well. So we agree. Oh, boy. You got, now, now I got to change it. Listen, I got to change it now. But no, in all seriousness, and listen, we, you know, it's nothing against Southwind Frank. I think Southwind Frank has got a big, big shot. But the, the big thing, Mike, is I'm not a big one to nine type of person when it comes to trotters. And uh, just ask Yannick Jingrau what a one to nine trotter will do for you. You know, he's had two very tough years. He was just beat last year with the Philly mission brief and two years ago he broke at the start with the favorite and you know this year he gets the favorite again who knows third time might be a charm the USA Today wrote a fantastic article on um, Yannick Jengra if you haven't seen it you need to check it out all right. Well, I think that's a wrap. We certainly appreciate everybody joining us on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Hamiltonians coming up on Saturday. I'll be there. Come say hi to me. Also, we've got the big Dan Patch coming up next Friday. Uh, so stay tuned to our social media outlets uh, for further updates. Mike Carter is going to be live at the Dan Patch. Mike, I know you're looking forward to that, my friend. I can't wait. It's going to be an awesome time. It'll be a lot of fun. Yep, and we'll have a two-hour show that particular night, so please make sure you check. We're going to kind of wait and see how things play out to give you an official time that we're going to be on next Friday, but uh, make sure you check social media, check our Facebook, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and, of course, log on to our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com, and also check us out on uh, The Barn, the Bet America Radio Network, where you can hear us on demand. We're also on iHeartRadio now, thanks to Bet America, and uh, 
once again, make sure you patronize our sponsors because without them, Bet America, uh, along with the Friends of Maryland, Standard Brands, The Stable, Embroidery Unlimited, and all of our other sponsors, uh, New Vocations, we would not be here uh, tonight bringing you this broadcast. On behalf of Mike Carter, it's Mike Bozich. We'll see you again next week with post time to be determined. Stay tuned to our social media, uh, Facebook and Twitter, and we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody.